0: the pastors here at the church and we are very excited to have all of you with us and uh, blessed that you are choosing to worship with us this Sunday. We are in the middle of a uh, series entitled Christian Chaos in which what David and I have been doing in both the sanctuary and here over the past few Sundays is saying we don't know what we're doing. Pretty much. I know that comes as a surprise to so many of you, especially those of you that know me. We don't know. You know, this year as we're starting out this year in the church world and what are we going to do this year? Uh do I don't know. Because the thing is, what we've been doing isn't working anymore. All the plans and all the systems and all the programs that we've been doing, that the church has been doing for 100, 150, 200 years, doesn't work anymore. It's not. We live in a different time. We live in a different era. The world works differently. So the church has to reflect that. And so what we've been doing over the past few weeks is, is talking about how we're going to do that. How are we going to find our way? How are we going to fulfill the mission that God has given us, the church, the body of Christ, to go into the world, to make disciples of all nations, to share the love of Jesus Christ with each and every person? How are we going to do that if what we were doing doesn't work anymore? We've got to listen. We've got to let God tell us. We've got to open ourselves up to God's leading and to live our lives for Christ. Part of that is living your life in such a way that you leave a legacy. This song by Nicole Nordeman um, is, is fit so perfectly with this Sunday. Leaving a legacy. Living your life in such a way I, I love how she starts this song. Yeah, you can give me awards. You can put my name up in in some book of records that says I was the best. At one time, at whatever I did, but that's not what I want to leave behind. I want to leave a legacy. I mean, I don't know if you. Okay, I think about my death every now and then. I I don't know if any of you do this also. Yeah, I mean, because I do funerals and I, you know, deal with death and I've, I've seen dead people. Um, you know, and you know, I have and I've been in the room with someone as they've died and. You know, I've gone through these different processes and, and different experiences in my life because of my position as a pastor. And so there are times I don't dwell on it. Off, you know, psychiatrists out there, don't get all alarmed. I don't spend hours and days in this. But you know, there are times when I think about my death. I'm not scared to die. Uh, Jen and I just last weekend uh, we were gone and um, we we flew up to Seattle and we were on the plane. And I don't know if you ever on a plane you think that what if it's the pilot's time, you know, and he takes the rest of us with him? You know, I don't know if you, all, okay. Uh, and, and you know, I think about that from time to time and I'm not scared to die because I know that I have Jesus in my life and I'll be in a better place. You know, I'm sad to leave my children and my family behind, but you know, I'll be with Jesus. <laughs> Y'all are the ones that still are down here. And, and so I, I'm not worried about it, but there are times when I think about it, when I think about what's going to happen after, Okay, really I'm just egocentric and I like to think how many of you will show up at my funeral and how many of you will have kind words to say about me. You know, the first service I said, uh, you know, at my funeral I want it to be just this grand scale party. I don't want it to be in here or in the sanctuary. I want it to be outdoors, somewhere fun and exciting. If Daryl, August, and AJ beat me on the life scale, I want them to play at my funeral. And, you know, I just want it to be a joy-filled time because it's a time of rejoicing. And, And then I think about... Okay, one, will anybody show up? you know maybe I can set some money down to have Daryl to be there or, but will anybody show- how many people will show up and I know this is all about me, and do people really do you like me? you know is that Julia Roberts that said that you really like me when she got the oscar you know and and that's kind of the the thing and what thanks and 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 what will you say about me in other words, basically what this really boils down to is am I doing anything worthwhile with my life? That when I die, people will go, man, that guy did, that guy lived his life for God. Man, that guy just made an impact on this world because he let God use him. Well, What will be my legacy? Here's the thing. The church, if we're going to reach people, Paul says, you, you know, uh, how, will they, how will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless we tell them? And for hundreds of years, the church, the, our only way of telling people is right here. Sunday mornings, from a pulpit, from a stage. That's our way of telling people. Come to us, and then we'll share with you the best news ever. But you got to come here first. And so we've been focusing the last couple of years of breaking down the walls of the church and getting outside of the church and carrying that message to the communities, to the people here in town, in Mexico, around the world. We're doing a good job with that, but but there's got to be something more. We've got to live our lives in a way that leaves a legacy, that leaves something behind so that when we're gone, the message continues. You know, really what we need to do is look back at the early church. I mean, if we want to see how to do church now, we've got to look back the way they did it when they started it. They got it right. Look at the time when Jesus lived. When the church was just beginning, when uh, when the Roman Empire was the strongest thing on earth. I mean I mean, think about it, the Roman Empire was the, the entity that killed Jesus, that killed Peter and Paul. Yet which one still exists today? The message of Christ and that of Peter and Paul, the church, or the Roman Empire? Well, there's a reason. The Roman Empire got caught up in power and struggle. And if you know anything about Roman Empire, it was pretty much one leader killing another to become leader. It was like, I'm the leader. Somebody's going to come behind me and stab me in the back so that they can be the leader. And then that guy will live for a few more years until somebody kills him and becomes a leader. Your legacy was death. There was no legacy. But Jesus and Peter and Paul, they lived in a society where legacy was important. Where how you lived your life important. I mean, God cares about that. God cares about how we live our life in such a way that our life doesn't end with us, that his message doesn't stop when somebody dies. It carries on. Not just in some book that says he was the best at this at some point in time in his life. But there's something greater that follows. I mean, you can look at Moses. Moses had Joshua. He took him in. He trained him. He loved him. He nurtured him. And one day he transferred leadership. David had Solomon. Elijah had Elisha. Every Israelite was supposed to gather their family around and teach them and support them and love them and encourage them in such a way that it carried forward. Jesus had the 70, and then the 12, and the 3. So here's the thing about living, leave, leaving a legacy. It's got to be done Life to life. It has to be done one-on-one. It has to be done in small, intimate groups. I can't leave a legacy with 400 people that come here on Sunday mornings. I'm not that good. I like to tell myself I am every morning, but I'm not. It has to be done life to life. Listen to Paul. Paul uh, writes to Timothy. Second Timothy, it's right after First Timothy, and uh, chapter 1, and, um, and Paul, you know, Paul is an interesting guy, because when Paul first started his journey, if you look at the way he did things and the way he operated and lived his life, he was Billy Graham of his era. He was the Billy Graham. He went to towns, and he bowled into town. He rolled in and goes, turn or burn. He'd, I mean, he would go to the temple. He would stand at the place where he would get the most attention. He would preach the gospel message. He would tell people about Jesus Christ. He was on fire, and he would convert people, and then he'd leave. Then you look at the end of his ministry, and he focuses. He begins to focus on just a couple of churches and a couple of people. Timothy was one of those. Timothy was one of those, one of those people, one of those guys that Paul said, okay, you're going to be my legacy. You. Let me tell you something about Timothy. Timothy was uh, a mamzra. Mamzra is that the the Ray guys, Ray people? Is that how you say it? Mamzra. Okay, y'all aren't paying attention. A mamzra, which basically, forgive me, is a bastard. And and what what it means is it could have been one of two things. One, his dad was completely out of the picture. Or two, his dad was not a Jew, and because of that, he was an outcast. He was. I mean, he was. You know, they wouldn't let him play any of the reindeer games. He was thrown aside. And Paul comes upon him, this young boy Timothy, and he takes him under his wing. And he makes him his disciple. And he's writing to him in chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. It is written to Timothy, my dear son, may God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. He is the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I know that you, are sincerely, I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, for you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. This is why I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Timothy is the product of a group of people that believed in a legacy. Timothy was who Timothy was because of Eunice and Lois and Paul. Because of a parent and a grandparent who cared enough about him to give them their faith. To give him, to teach him, to raise him in a Jewish home where he knew about God. He knew God's love. He loved God. And then Paul came along. And took him the rest of the way. Timothy is a product of a society that believed in leaving true legacies. Legacies that would far, far outlive memories of the person. I mean, think about the reach that Paul and Timothy have. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. Still talking about him. The only time I ever mention a Roman emperor is as a side note to show you how great God is. Thousands of years later, Paul's legacy lives. Dude got it right. Because he made disciples. There's a statistic that says 85% of people who come to Jesus, who come to know Jesus Christ, come because someone they know told them. It wasn't because of some pastor that got up on a stage or got in a pulpit and delivered the most eloquent, eloquently beautiful, funny, creative, just illustration after illustration that was so on point. No. Pastors like to tell ourselves that. But that's not the way it works. It's person to person. It's somebody you know that leads a life in such a way that you ask, what is it that's about what is it that's different about them? What is it about them that makes me drawn to them? That makes me want to know it, It's relational evangelism. It's not going out on a street corner and saying the world is ending. Do you know where you will go if you die today? It's relational. Ray Vanderlyn says that if you are not discipling someone, then you are not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Think of that. If you don't have anybody that you're discipling, like Paul did with Timothy, like Jesus did with the three and the twelve. If you're not discipling somebody, then you're not a true follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't know how many of you are going. Uh Oh, (laughs) we need to make disciples in order to leave a legacy we need to make disciples in order to change the world. John Wesley knew this. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, the Methodist movement. When he began the Methodist movement, he began it in such a way to set up these groups of people that then, then when you heard the gospel message, you weren't just left there to go, okay, now what do I do? It wasn't like he would roll in and he would preach a sermon and then push you aside and move on to his next group. He set up leaders and leaders and leaders to where it was like a 1 to 10 ratio. The first 100,000 Methodist converts had 10,000 leaders. He knew that you needed a small group to be nurtured and encouraged in. He knew that in order to make disciples, it had to be a life-to-life scenario. There wasn't a program. There wasn't a system. There wasn't some method. Methodism. There wasn't some method that would cause you to deepen your relationship with christ it was someone else another believer another fellow or traveler on the walk of christ and yet we've forgotten that we've gotten big and huge and bureaucratic and we have programs and systems and in our country we want seven steps to a better life and and then five steps to make you the richest person you could ever dream in and all these different steps and steps and we feel comfortable with that we can check them off i'm not even a type a personality i don't like lists i don't like things like that i'm a I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy, but I like to have goals and I like to check them off and to get there. And to, that's going to, I'm glad my wife's not here because she's like, "Why aren't you doing this?" And you know, <clears throat> I can leave a list for you every day. Uh, not really. We're so comfortable with those things. I mean, if you come up to me today after the service and you say, "Michael, I want to, I want to make a disciple. Where's the book that I can go get and read and how to do this?" Uh, it's the Bible. <laughs> Where's the step-by-step process? What is the program that the church is going to start that will help us to make disciples? Yeah, I got nothing for you. Jesus. When I was a youth director, I told my kids, that was always, with you didn't know the answer, just say Jesus. And that was probably pretty close. Jesus. How do I make a disciple? Jesus. Look at Jesus' life. Look at the amount of time that he spent with people. Individual people, small groups of people. It was just as much time, if not more, as he spent with large groups. So here's the thing. If you want to leave a legacy, you've got to begin to make disciples. Pray for an opportunity to become a mentor to someone. And I know know what you might be thinking well, Michael, I don't know the Bible well enough to do that. I you know, I haven't been a Christian that long. I, you know, I don't go to church all that often because I have a vacation home. When we get out, I don't go in Sunday school, blah, 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 but whatever. Me either. It doesn't matter. It's life on life. It's living your life the way Christ. Christ says, live your life this way. Okay, do it. And then get together and live life together. Live life together as a fellow believer, as a Christian, as a disciple, because you're going to run into the same battles. You're going to run into the same world. You can pray about it. You can pray for each other. You can walk with each other to the cross. Pray for an opportunity. Here's the good news. If you're a parent or a grandparent, done. There's your opportunity, your children and grandchildren. Spend time with them. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I said this before, it's not a program. It's not that we have to calculate, I need to have these conversations with my kids at this specific time in their life, and I need to check this off, and, you know, Corbin's seven months old, I need to start talking to him about women, and, you know, and no. I just need to live with him. I need to be with him. I need to spend time with him and with Gracie. I need to live my life and show them that living a life for God, you can do it. That it's good and it's valid, and sometimes it's hard, but then there's victories and there's love and, and there's grace and there's mercy. I need to show them what it's like. And there will be times when I have to sit them down, and Corbin will do something stupid, and we go, Okay, son, here's the lesson. Don't do that again. And we'll have those conversations, but it's just living life together uh, with your parents, you know, I mean, with your children, with your grandchildren, or with your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Spend time. That's how you do it. I wonder how many of us have those disciples. And think of it in that respect. Some of the parents are going, Ooh, huh, I have my disciples. How am I how am I doing on that front? I, I don't know what people are gonna say about me when I'm gone. Hopefully more nice things than not, but the Jerry's still out on that. I got to tell you, there is somebody that died in our uh, church recently. Um, I mean, that we're a large church, so that happens uh, probably more frequently than you all know. And but we had somebody die, and and I got to be a part of this. I didn't do anything with the funeral, but I got to be a part of her of her death. Uh, the family called, and and uh, and I went over to her house while she was still laying in her bed, and I got to go into her bedroom, and I was surrounded. By uh, her children and their spouses and some of their kids and some of her great grandchildren were in the house as well. And that's a legacy. I mean, wow. I looked around the room and I knew everyone in the room. And I know that there's there were some doctors in there, some bankers in there. There's I mean different people. They do all different things. They're successful in their lives and their careers. They have happy but. It's about the way they live their life for God. I could look they don't all go to our church, some of them do. But you could look all I could look all around that room and go, you know what, you're living your life for God, and people know it. People want to be around you because of how you live your life. And it's because you have this belief, this core belief of Jesus Christ. And it was because of this woman, Mama. Her obituary was very long but it wasn't she did this she did that she graduated from this school she did that she did that it was kids names it was her kids names their husbands names their children their children's children that was a legacy that was a huge legacy somebody came up to me after the 9:30 service and said okay so if i want to leave a legacy do i have to have four kids cuz two's really enough for us <laughs> i was like i hope not cuz two's really enough for us too that's not it. It's how you live your life. It's not a program. It's not a system. It's not a method. It's living your life for Christ and doing it intentionally with a small group of people. So, what's your legacy going to be? Are you discipling someone? Let's pray. God, we thank you and praise you for this morning, for this time to come together and worship you praise you to hopefully hear your voice lord calling out to us to to live our life for you and not just by ourselves or not just in a large group but to intentionally live your life as you live our life as you did in small groups god help us to have the strength the courage and the wisdom to follow the example of christ follows the example of Paul and to find someone that we can disciple so that our legacy won't be some name on a building somewhere. It won't be some name in a book that said we were really good at something at one time, but our legacy will be that we lived our life for Christ and that we made a difference for you in the world. And it is only seen by the people and the lives that we have touched and the lives that they have touched. God, help us, help us to live our life for you. In Jesus' name.